Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world celebrates the great feast of the baptism of Jesus Christ. Now appreciate the scene. John the Baptist is outside of Jerusalem, and he's on the banks of the Jordan River, and he's preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sins in order for the people to be prepared to not just see Jesus Christ, but also to welcome him into their lives. After he preaches, the people then slowly make their way into the Jordan River. And John baptizes them one by one. He gives them a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, the last person you would expect to see there is Jesus Christ, but he's there. He, like everyone else, is standing in the cold, muddy waters of the Jordan River, shoulder to shoulder with thieves and marauders, with tax collectors and prostitutes, murderers and common people waiting, waiting for a baptism of the forgiveness of sins. Now, that's odd, isn't it? Picture in your mind, John going from person to person. One person he baptizes, then in the next, then the next. Finally comes to Christ, and Jesus Christ kneels before John. Now, think of that. The Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, kneeling before John the Baptist, awaiting a baptism for the forgiveness of sins? Now, this was an incredibly embarrassing event for our early church. In fact, the very first few decades of our early church, the apostles avoided this story. They didn't want to talk about it at all. If you read the writings of the early church fathers, they didn't even understand it. They didn't even want to talk about it at all. They avoided it at all consequences because it was too hard to explain. You know, if there's any story all four of the evangelists, the gospel writers, should have omitted, it should have been this story. You know, why does Jesus do such an embarrassing act? Why does he subject himself in such a humiliating way? You notice, after Jesus' baptism, he begins his ministry. Now, for us, when we begin a new job, we always want to impress the boss, don't we? We always want to put our best foot forward. We want to make sure that we impress our boss, make sure that he made the right decision in hiring us. Well, as Jesus begins his ministry, it seems like he's putting his worst foot forward, like he's making the worst possible mistake as he begins his ministry. Notice in Matthew's account of this, turn to Matthew's gospel. John is completely befuddled by this. And that's odd. John out of all the people, he should know who Jesus is in his mission. John's primary mission was to prepare us, prepare the way for Jesus Christ to come into this world. And yet, even John is caught off guard. Now, where else do you see Jesus doing this? 
you know, performing these, what it seems to be embarrassing acts. Well, go to the Last Supper. You know, during the middle of the supper, Jesus gets up, he takes a basin and a pitcher of water, and then he kneels before his apostles and washes their feet. And remember, foot washing, it was always done by the lowest slave of the household. The very lowest slave of the household would wash the feet of the family or the guests. And yet now Jesus is doing it. And the apostles are befuddled by this. Peter, like John, is totally taken back. In fact, he's embarrassed by what Jesus is doing. That's why he tries to prevent Jesus from washing his feet. And so the apostles, yes, the first few decades of our early church, they were embarrassed by this act. They didn't want to talk about it. They avoided it at all consequences. But was it really embarrassing? Well, it was a struggle for the apostles in the first early days of our church. Yet after a while, through prayer, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the apostles finally came to know that this was an incredibly powerful event in the life of Christ and in the life of our church. In fact, there was no way that the four gospel writers could leave this story out of their gospel. If there's one story that you find in all four of the Gospels, it's this one, the baptism of Jesus Christ, because they recognized how powerful, how important it was. Now, just to make matters clear, Jesus Christ is the second person of the Holy Trinity. He is the sinless Son of God. He is in no need of a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But nonetheless, he subjects himself to it. For the primary purpose of identifying himself with us. Jesus stands shoulder to shoulder in the cold, muddy waters of the Jordan River in solidarity with us as sinners. In fact, the only way that Jesus can begin his ministry is to first identify himself with us as sinners, to enter into our condition. See, that's why he must be baptized first and then begin his ministry. Let me give you a good analogy to help you understand this a little bit better. When I was in the seminary, one of my friends, before he went into the seminary, he joined a group, an organization called the Navigators. It was a worldwide evangelization organization that essentially went around the entire world and evangelized in the name of Christianity. Well, my friend and three others were sent to Tokyo, Japan to evangelize the people there. My friend spoke fluent Japanese. So he and the other three men made their way to Tokyo, Japan. And when they arrived there, they decided to first try and evangelize the homeless people on the streets of Tokyo. Well, for several weeks, in fact, for several months, it was a very tough going. The homeless people wanted nothing to do with these four men. And they couldn't figure out why. These four men treated the homeless people of Tokyo better and with more respect and dignity than the people of Tokyo treated them ever. They were very attentive to their needs. Every day they brought them meals and clothing. And yet for weeks, even months, the homeless people wanted nothing to do with these four men. And after several weeks, they finally realized Despite their tireless efforts of ministering to the homeless, they weren't one of the homeless. They couldn't identify with the struggles of a homeless person. 
They weren't homeless themselves. Now, these four men, they would work tirelessly all day, but at the end of the day, they would go home to their apartment. They would be able to eat a hot meal and then go to bed in a room, on a bed with a roof over their head. And so these four men made up their mind that they would live in solidarity with the homeless. So they went out and they searched for four large cardboard boxes. And once they found them, those cardboard boxes became their home for an entire year. For an entire year, those men were homeless. They gave away their apartment and they lived on the streets with the homeless. Now, the remarkable thing about this is the homeless people noticed it. They saw that these four men were like them, homeless, and now they identified themselves with them. The homeless now accepted these four men as one of them. And guess what? The four men were very successful in evangelizing the homeless. They baptized several dozen of the homeless people. They established prayer groups, Bible study groups. It was wonderful. They were very successful because they identified themselves with the homeless. They were accepted by them. Well, I think this is what Jesus is getting at. This is why he subjects himself to this baptism in order to identify himself with us, to enter into our condition. Now, granted, this baptism, the foot washing, in the eyes of the world, they're very embarrassing events. But for us, with eyes of faith, they're incredible gestures. Incredible gestures is just how profoundly great God's love is for all of us. And so that's the reason why this is such a powerful event. Now, another thing we can take from this, it's amazing how similar our baptism is with the baptism of Christ. When Jesus is baptized, he identifies with us. Well, when we are baptized, we are incorporated into the life of Christ. As Paul says in Galatians, we are grafted on to Christ. We now share a life with Christ. More to it, with Jesus, water is poured over his head. The Holy Spirit descends upon him and the voice of God the Father is heard, you know, well pleased with his Son. Well, in our baptism, water is poured over our heads. The Holy Spirit is imparted upon our soul forever, and we become the adopted sons and daughters of God the Father. We now share a life with Christ, and it's a life that just doesn't end in this world. No, it takes us, it gives us the bright promise that we will share that life forever in the world to come, the world we are all tending to, the world of heaven. And see, that's why I always say, baptism is the second greatest event in our lives. The greatest event, when we come face to face with the beatific vision, when we come face to face with Christ in heaven, that's going to be the greatest event in our life. One last thing to think about. We see the Holy Trinity revealed in this baptismal event. Now, that's very rare. You know, the Holy Trinity reveals itself only in special events. Well, it reveals itself in the baptism of Christ. It's present to reveal the very depth of God's love for us. We have to realize our God is a God that will stop at nothing to love us and to save us. Therefore, the Holy Trinity was also present at our baptism. More to it, the Holy Trinity continues to reveal itself to us every time we gather for Mass. 
every time we gather for Mass, the Holy Trinity is there to gently remind us the depth of God's love for us. And so today, our church around the world celebrates the great event. It was not embarrassing. On the contrary, this was a great event in the life of Christ as well as in the life of us and our church. Jesus is baptized. Now he identifies himself with us. Now he goes about, he begins the ministry, the work of saving us. And that can only happen by him identifying and entering into our condition. More to it, we recognize and celebrate our baptism and what that means. Now we share a life with Christ. It gives us the hope and the promise of eternal life. And more importantly, the Holy Trinity is revealed, not just at our baptism, but each and every time we gather for Mass. We are reminded of how great the depth and the width of God's love is for us, and that is truly worth celebrating. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.